Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montrullo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? Uh, coming to you live from the Buckeye State, sitting on a porch outdoors, recording. Ah, there's bugs. <laughs> there's bugs flying around <laughs> me. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a good time. Um, the, the hurricane has gotten rid of the humidity, apparently. Uh, it's now like what 75 degrees and low humidity as opposed to 95 degrees and 150% humidity. Um, so yeah, the Midwest is we're uh, we're surviving down here apparently. Um, apropos of nothing, I was watching uh, Transformers 3 Dark of the Moon the other night because uh, <laughs> somebody reminded me that that was the one they shot in Chicago. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, I'll, I'll go back and watch that just to kind of see, you know, what what did, what did Chicago look like 10 years ago? You know, the skyline's constantly changing. And that's it's probably like the least obnoxious of all those shitty Michael Bay movies. And it's it like so they had just built Trump Tower like the year before. Right. And a good chunk of the action takes place like right around Trump Tower in downtown Chicago. And you know how, like, you can film anything on a Trump property as long as it's mentioned to be a Trump property several times in the script. Right. Right. Which they did in Home Alone <laughs> right. 2. Right. right. He, and he insisted on having his 10-second cameo where he right. still couldn't even deliver but, two lines of dialogue. But, one right. line of dialogue. But, yeah. Well, he's brushed up on a skill since then. But, you know, it's like if you're looking for free locations to shoot in and you keep you, like it's free, you're going to do it. Right. Right. So, sure. Like like they they have this scene that's shot on like the it's like the 20th story terrace uh, of of uh, Trump Tower to just open up. Right. Um, and I mean, you know, when Back to the Future 2, the, the alternate future Biff was heavily based on Donald Trump. Right. The screenwriter says much. Yeah. Right. Right. And you remember how kind of like that whole sequence ended in Back to the Future 2 where, uh, uh, you know, Biff's goons throw Marty off the roof. And you're like, oh my god! And then like suddenly he just well, they like, chase him up to the roof, and then he, he gets he he jumps onto the DeLorean to get away. But well, yeah. he jumps off the roof. He jumps right, like, right, right. Or they throw him off. Or whatever happens, he gets right, he right. Goes off the edge of the roof, and then you're like, oh no, the protagonist <clears throat> is dead. And then two seconds later, he like rises up, standing on the right. hood of the DeLorean. So, <laughs> in Transformers Three: Dark of the Moon, is a scene where Shia LaBeouf gets uh, thrown off the edge of this terrace on Trump Tower. <laughs> And like literally exact same <laughs> shot where suddenly like this some like Decepticon robot vehicle that like Bumblebee had commandeered. He, he's like flying it. Uh, he Shia LaBeouf like rises up on the hood of this thing. Exact same thing. There's no way that's an accident. There's no way that's a fucking accident. And it's, it's just like it's the, the only question is like, did Michael Bay deliberately do that? to rip that off to like you know just yeah i have to shoot at trump tower and i hate trump but at least i can kind of like toss in one little reminder of who the who the villain in back <laughs> to the future 2 is supposed to be a parody of that's funny um, though. because as, as insufferable as michael bay is he like hates donald trump he's like one of these you know right-wing liberals that just like can't stand how much he's actually kind of hates like donald, donald trump, trump. Love, loves the military and thinks that everything they oh, do is, is uh, awesome and, exactly know? exactly it's like what you 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 think trump doesn't like your movie <laughs> like that's right this is, this is his demographic right here is fucking cars and actually no, trump, and like, <laughs> to be fair trump's not as into the military as most liberals are honestly 
he well, tolerates it you apparently. know yeah i mean what was what was the, the thing he said that like the people went and died for a lie were idiots <laughs> and I was just yeah like, yeah basically <laughs> there's nothing funnier than that than the president calling people that fucking serve their country for stupid reasons the idiots right or the or the john mccain like i like people who weren't captured thing which <laughs> liberals melt the doubt about but we all of course you know love because we hate the both that it was fucking hilarious to see him needling john mccain that way um i love it i love it yeah well speaking of of soldiers and speaking of which uh we should get to the kind of the bulk of the episode today because we're still uh you know deep D- into just the say news. before we close it out we want to get to our last segment <laughs> right yeah, right yeah, our yeah. last segment which will last us an hour plus um <clears throat> i, w- I want to get into obviously the kind of latest developments with afghanistan because uh we are officially withdrawn from afghanistan the last uh emotionally plane. emotionally <laughs> right right we're closed off uh from afghanistan bill crystal is very um, sad right now he's secluded oh God, in the west wing just just inconsolable inconsolable right now um yeah all, all the liberals on tv are it's really funny to watch um and we'll get into that i'm sure but uh yeah the last plane took off so you know the the troops are officially you know withdrawn i'm sure there's still a couple uh troops still at the airport you know but but more our presence there is is more or less you know non-existent now um which is great and you know that at the end of the day uh, you know and we're we're gonna have a lot of criticisms of of you know of biden and of, of, of everybody but at the end of the day this was the right thing to do and it's the it was the right thing to do 20 fucking years ago and yeah, obviously we should have so much at the end of the day is you know at the end of the uh first quarter of the century <laughs> right at the, right at the end of the quarter of the century i think this is uh obviously the right thing to fucking do um it was you know besides the fact that we never should have gone there in the first place they had a million convenient outs they could have left after bin laden was killed with a lot less uh media heartache probably than than they got uh yeah and i'm sure you know if, if obama had tried then they still would have you know done this saber rattling you know attack him from the right shit that they do um you know despite the fact that they haven't fucking mentioned the afghanistan war in 20 years like you hear more talk about the afghanistan war than you did in the fucking six months after we we you know invaded afghanistan like you you never heard so much about afghanistan in your life and you know in a lot of ways it really seems like it was this nice comfort blanket um to to the kind of media elites that we were just occupying this country perpetually and now that blanket is being snatched away from them and that's that's truly the way they're acting um by and large in the media and and it's and it's fucking hilarious but it's also like you see the power that they have because you saw like some of the recent uh, approval polls and Biden's approval rating has dipped pretty, you know, significantly since this onslaught of uh, negative press coverage for for once doing the right fucking thing and taking us out of this bullshit situation we never should have been in. It, it's it's really kind of fascinating well it's you know i mean we've lost our place in the world by refusing to have an unending occupation of a third world country like if we you know like where is our foothold like from from whence do we draw our strength now right i mean it's it's like it's like retroactively uh, bill crystal just tweeted out the headline of the new york times or the front page of the new york times 82 years ago today headline germany attack our german army attacks poland Cities bombed, 
port blockaded. Uh, Danzig is accepted into Reich. I, I guess uh, the metal band Danzig. Uh, <laughs> I love that song, Mother. It's a great song. Yeah. So um, uh, the, the Nazis are invading Poland eight two years ago today. Bill Crystal tweets that out and says, "A world from which the United States has withdrawn." So somehow in his brain, like the fact that we have left Afghanistan after 20 years means that back in time, 82 years ago, what if America had not fought the Nazis? <laughs> like what? Uh, how much stolen valor is, is you know, has been lost right. in this guy's fucking brain? Like famously, first, the country that defeated the Nazis, obviously. Yeah. Like, like, first of all, we didn't do shit for like another how many years? we didn't lift a finger till uh, 41 yeah until we were like directly fucking you know provoked into it like 41 i think right when we entered but yeah it, it had been yeah, years kind of going on um and yeah US so more, really more than not two have years. direct more than two years we, you know we just very little right and very little direct contact you know in the grand scheme of things with 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 the german army compared to the russians um who who fought the brunt of that war and did the brunt of the 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 fighting you know uh to push back uh hitler and the nazis so it's it's preposterous to even claim that you know from bill crystal's point of view but of course he has his own fictional view of history which allows him to justify all the atrocities that were committed you know in part on his uh propaganda that he cooked up for the iraq war so it, 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 you can understand where he's coming from because this is all a fucking fiction to him anyway like he doesn't you know have a, a strong grip of actual history anyway he just makes it up in his fucking head <sighs> i mean there there's there's been so many movies and and like bad right-wing <clears throat> uh novels written about like well what if we didn't stand up to hitler and like america's t- you know statue of liberty has a swastika on it you know just like all that <laughs> right. All of that fucking shit, and then it's like, oh, and then we get our shit together decades later, right? And they're all, like, they never screen in actual theaters. They're always just direct-to-video type things, and, right. you know, and it's just, it's like they want that. They, like, that's they, that's the world they want to live in, is that there's always an evil uh, that we haven't quite defeated yet, and therefore we have to occupy Afghanistan. <laughs> it's just, it's like... Well, that's- yeah, I mean, that's the problem with the press at large is that there's just this real baby brain notion of, of, of you know, good versus evil. They don't understand the way that the world works is that, you know, sure, there are, you know, and no question, there are people who are just real motherfuckers throughout history. Um, <laughs> most of them have led our country, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, but yeah, sure, there are eventually, there are occasionally people that are, you know, really fucking uh odious and have horrible views and have horrible uh goals but by and large the the u.s media always needs a villain so they always will invent one you know to suit that narrative because the america always has to be at war with somebody and we need to justify why we're constantly at war and constantly you know spending you know the majority of the fucking uh revenue tax revenue that the u.s uh brings in on fucking useless bombs and and munitions in other countries like that's they have to justify that so they will always create a bogeyman you know it'll always you know (laughs) manuel noriega was fucking running guns and drugs for us until he started running guns and drugs a little too much so all of a sudden he became the next fucking hitler and we had to go in there and you know (laughs) occupy his country and murder a bunch of civilians like it's just it Time and time again, the U.S. media, in conjunction with the state and with the CIA, will always find 
a, a real lazy narrative that they know that's just you know has just enough uh teeth to it that people can just repeat it without having to think too hard and i like how you say bogeyman and not boogeyman like are you <laughs> you taking up golf there out there in Connecticut, and you. I think that's a. I think that's like a, I don't know if it's a tomato tomato thing, but I've definitely heard that before. I. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've I never heard somebody say bogey unless it was golf or it was like a Top Gun type situation. I want. I want to say it's like the way British people say it because I've definitely heard it before, but I don't know where. But I, I don't know. I'll I look it up. British but... people, and if I did, I wouldn't talk to them because fuck Britain. Because right, they're British. Um. Um. <laughs> but you know, but, you know outside it, of the just, cast to yeah. the crown, like I don't know. I don't know anyone. <laughs> don't know anybody uh and jezza of course who's who's the the only good britain (laughs) only good britain there's that other one but he's scottish uh, technically so whatever oh yeah 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 word um oh geez the the fucking president of uh ireland too is pretty cool they got that got that old dude who has like the really ratty giant like shit like uh sheep looking dog with him at all times and he kind of looks like danny devito like that that that's how a real president should look that's that's um, how I, I you know anyone's gonna get elected in Scotland. They better look like they're a fucking sheep herder. Um, so yeah, you were talking about the media's lust for war porn, and we we had a clip you're gonna run here where right. it, it's just like the thirst is so like just dripping with thirst for more war with this guy. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know this guy's name, but we'll we'll play the clip and we'll we'll, we'll talk about it because this is just all of them in general. He just is worse at hiding his sentiments than the rest of them. Does the president envision any situation in which he might deploy a a large uh, amount of U.S. troops uh, abroad under his presidency? Any sort of foreign conflict that would require the sort of mass troop deployment that he just said we are trying to move fast? I think one of the pieces that he talked about in the speech was how he views our engagement in the world. And I think this is probably why you're asking this question. Um, And the horrible scenes and memories of the last few weeks. And as we think about how we embark on or how we use military force, uh, these moments and these divisions of the last several weeks or months or years should stick in us. And he may stick in our minds. Is wow. there any way? I mean, what can we do? Is there anything we can do to make to make him did deploy she, troops? Did she just tell us that we should think about the consequences of our actions going forward? What the fuck? <laughs> I know it's. I, but, and you know, she her job is, of course, to repeat the line of the administration. <laughs> but um, it's it's just it's still it's it's like you know in a in a sane world that would be the response every time. Right. It's just right. like suddenly the press is like, well, wait a minute. Learn from our mistakes. I just, uh, I, you know, when I saw that. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's just it's it, so Biden did this speech yesterday uh, that kind of blew the doors off of U.S. imperialism. <laughs> like we were all expecting him to say, like, you know, like probably counter some of the criticisms that things didn't go as smoothly. Uh, I, I don't know what world they live in. Like, what what exit strategy did they want? You know, like right. this is always the thing. Well, we we didn't we didn't plan it out right. Like like you said, if we would have just started evacuating people, <clears throat> you know, on May first, uh, you know, while while the Afghan government was still in power, they would have said, well, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like, you know, they they truly didn't think it would happen that quick, but they were pretty sure it was going to happen, 
Right. And there would have been a rush then anyway. He's like, is what he also said. You know, there would have been a re- rush at the airport regardless of when, you know, at, at the end, especially regardless <clears throat> of when they started, there still would have been that rush at the end of like, right. Last minute, like, oh, fuck, this is real. This is going to happen. And there was so much like refreshing honesty in what he was saying. And, you know, basically, we're going to play some clips here, obviously, but uh, we're guessing if you are listening to this, you've probably heard chunks of the speech, if not all of it. Uh, in in which he said, like, look, the choices were uh, get out on the deadline that was agreed to or send tens of thousands of more troops back in to restart the war to get out the last 100, 200 people that still hadn't made it to the airport yet. Like, that's what it was going to take, because right. they knew already after they overstayed the May 1st deadline that Trump got the Taliban to agree to the minute they overstayed then. Taliban started attacking U.S. personnel again, uh, U.S. soldiers again. And now, but, you know, back in May 1st, it wasn't just a few thousand at the airport surrounded by 70,000 Taliban fighters. So now you have a situation where, you know, they're already being targeted by fucking ISIS terrorists, right? They already have like an untenable situation. Like they are all like, look, we need to get the fuck out. And they knew if they stayed longer, those last 100, 200 people that they can get out clandestinely now, were going to be in vastly more danger. Right. So they right. made the right decision to not stay. All these fucking guys are like, oh, Biden left these last 200 people. Like they've they've known they've known for like a year this was coming. Right. And, and most of those people that are still there are people with dual citizenship. So it's it's not a foregone conclusion. They just automatically are going to leave. Right. But they're, they're trying to make this huge deal out of it saying, uh, you know, oh, we left people behind. Like we left. You know how many people we left behind in Vietnam? We left <laughs> tens of thousands of bodies behind. That they're still trying to dig up and and have moved back to the United States. Uh, we there was people that were the, like the last few American soldiers that died in Vietnam. We just left their bodies at the at the morgue, like we knew where they were and we just left them there. It was it was like it, you know, this this was probably the most orderly withdrawal of one of the biggest wars I could possibly imagine. And the fact that they actually did this and did get tens of thousands of people out, one hundred twenty thousand people out, took a, a a ton of organizing that had nothing to do with the military. We're going to, I'm going to talk about this more later, but the idea that this didn't go off as, as well as possible, you know, I, I, I hope they make a movie about this just to show how many people were trying to do the right thing, trying to end the war, trying to save people's lives. Um, and in listening to Biden talk about this, it's, it's like, it's clear it's personal to him. And he mentioned his son, course he has to always mention his son but it was like the first time he mentioned his son for like a thing that actually had something to do with his son's actual death and not like some weird tangent like oh my son died and that's why you can't have health care right so well and and i just want to you know just just speaking of what was left behind in afghanistan i just want to give people an idea of what was left behind in afghanistan because you know uh, the, the 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 shit people talk about in the news is bolt like oh my god you left all these weapons and shit for the taliban i was like oh great they can put it on their fucking bill from the last time we sold them weapons why don't we why don't we fucking worry about all the weapons that we sold to the fucking mujahideen who you know turned into al-qaeda and then you know some of them splintered off like it's just it's fucking prepot whatever who gives a fuck like at the end of the day like this is not you know we sell weapons to people that become our enemies and then we sell weapons to their enemies who then become our enemies you know ad nauseum who gives a fuck but who's the actual cost in lives of the uh of the people of afghanistan and of the U- uh, u.s citizens 
Uh, and this is a list from the AP. And this is, of course, probably lowball estimates, like like these things always are, because in a war zone, it's in it, you know it's impossible to count all the bodies, especially with the weaponry we have. Uh, American service service members killed in Afghanistan through April: two thousand four hundred and forty-eight U.S. contractors, three thousand eight hundred and forty-six Afghan national military and police, sixty-six thousand people. Other Allied service members, including NATO, can't and imagine other why they didn't states. want to fight anymore. <laughs> Right, right. Weird. Uh, other allied service uh, members, including NATO uh, member states, 1,144. Afghan civilians, 47,245. Like quad, like 10 times what the amount of lives lost between U.S. servicemen and contractors, uh, just in civilian lives. Taliban and other opposition fighters, 51,191. Aid workers, 444. 72 journalists estimated cost by 2050 6.5 trillion dollars so that could buy quite a few uh health cares in this country i think 6.5 trillion dollars <throat> how much more fucking money how many more people do we need to kill and we are and you know we did fucking kill 10 more on the way out uh with a drone strike which we'll talk about in a little bit but couldn't couldn't leave without one last uh, no one 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 little war crime for the road as a treat but um hey about one last round for the road right (laughs) right (laughs) it's just like it's fucking preposterous to 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 you know claim that like oh this this was rushed and it would be fuck off you know these people it'll never be enough for them and they want it to just go on indefinitely because it's you know it's convenient to have an enemy and to have a place that we occupy because we know that that's you know that that's ours and that's our fucking it's, it's new chris, colony chris hedge's book the you know war is a force that gives us meaning right? right and that was when i first heard that title i was like what a fucking prick and then i was like no no no, he's not saying it's a good thing he's just saying it, it it's the thing that right that trumps every other media narrative that you know it's like hey shouldn't we do some investigative like nope nope war's happening B- bust <laughs> out the schematics of all of our scud muscles versus their patriot hawks and versus their you know like it's it's that put the graphic up there how many fucking aircraft carriers how you know get right. get, get brian williams to masturbate while the fucking missiles are launching we'll put that on there um it's business you know it's it's ratings it's business it's the contractors it's you know and, like we got a fucking mcdonald's and a, and a burger king at our fucking uh fucking baghdad embassy headquarters KFC, that, you know, it's, Bell, yeah. it's the whole fucking thing <laughs> and then you get you know you get you get the independent movie uh, thing you know if you can't make it in in the you know the big leagues then you start up your own little little indie film uh silver corp usa and do your own little coups on your own <laughs> that uh, uh end up not making it to can um right. so it's it's just it's hilarious and and it creates the kind of environment where people feel free to say things that in a, in a normal society would get you locked up um we quoted a guy last week, or I, I quoted this guy, um, uh, Todd Starnes of the Starnes Country Toddcast. <laughs> and <laughs> it just completely oh, uh, coincidental that we were quoting him on our show uh, last week. Uh, he said that the um, uh, Afghans, Americans, uh, or Americans that are in Afghanistan currently uh, were not stranded, they were hostages, uh, even though as we're going to report here in a bit, uh, it was the Taliban who was instrumental in making sure that they were not hostages and were not killed by ISIS. Um, He had a new tweet this week that people were quoting. He said, 
this he said for every american who was killed a city in afghanistan should be wiped off the face of the earth yeah no that's that's not genocidal at all that's not that doesn't make you a fucking maniac who you know who should be locked up at all that thing he still got his twitter account so somehow saying shit like that is not a terms of service violation for i guess that's not that's not a hill to die on for twitter (laughs) right right the 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 idiom that i used once (laughs) that got my account deleted saying oh that's a hill to die on uh, um <laughs> like what a, what a fucking psychopath like ima- imagine like at a dinner party saying that and just like everyone in the room not turning and like chucking their bread at you like what a fucking psychopath to even have that thought let alone to express it publicly um and, and you know the silver lining is he's a right-wing radio host so he's for sure going to be dead of covid in like two weeks but oh they are know. dropping like flies he's <laughs> crazy <laughs> I love it. I love this it's so song. Funny. I love this song. I, real quick, I got to share something here. Um, somebody posted three different screenshots from the social media of a guy named uh, Captain Joe Manning of the Wayne County Sheriff's Office uh, out of Savannah, Georgia. Um, apparently, this guy had his own had like a, a fucking tractor supply company on top of being a cop. He's also moonlighting as a fucking farmer. Um, and he, he's got like a bunch of social media. He's apparently a southern celebrity uh and so captain joe manning uh shared how screenshot i am not vaccinated by choice that's my right so that was that was like (laughs) the first screenshot right and the next screenshot was from the same account from captain joe manning uh and uh says okay folks Wayne Feed and Seed has some liquid and paste ivermectin to get while supplies last. <laughs> so, so his apparently the name of his tractor supply uh, th- place is called Wayne Feed and Seed, which I replied to sounds like the single darkest corner of Pornhub imaginable. <laughs> Just right. think about it. Just think about it. Yeah. Um, so then the last one update from Fox 28 Savannah, Wayne County, Georgia, Captain Joe Manning with the Wayne County Sheriff's Office has died from COVID-19, according to a Facebook <laughs> post. <laughs> oh, sweet fucking just just instant karma is going to get you, motherfucker. Like, that's so good. So good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I was telling you. Uh, yesterday, actually, I was at work. I want to share this with the listeners. So, you know, I work at a pharmacy, of course, and ivermectin is a drug that I knew of, of course, because, you know, it's a dewormer. Um, They use it against a lot of kind of like tropical, you know, virus, like really obscure viruses. And like, um, very rarely do you ever see it prescribed. Like I haven't seen it, you know, in in 10 years, like in, in, in our pharmacy setting. Um, and then, of course, you know, I noticed in the last couple of weeks, there was a big uptick in orders of it, you know, and I don't handle that ordering. So I was like, how many have we ordered? And like, it was a significant amount. So I checked through our records um, to see who we were dispensing it to. And it really only went to like two families. But everyone in those two families got ivermectin, like a month's worth of ivermectin. So I was looking at the two doctors who prescribed it. And I was like, oh, that's weird. One of them uh, has a weird area, like they both had weird area codes, and one of them was like a Florida area code. So I was like, "Oh, that's really fucking weird." Um, so I googled both of those doctors' names, and lo and behold, one of them—and um, I'm not going to name him just so I don't—I'm not liable to get sued. But 
Uh, I'm sure it's you could Google. You can't. You can't do anything about it with a podcast. Uh, just, just say who it is. Uh, she's no, already been indicted for shit, so we're not gonna have. Right. Well, no. Her. You guys. You guys can find her easily. Just Google uh, Florida doctor. Um, uh, uh, fucking uh, hate crime. <laughs> like basically, this 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 female doctor uh, practiced in Miami at one point at like a major cancer center hospital um apparently like in her private life was picking up a prescription at a pharmacy and like someone uh some hispanic man was standing too uh or she was staying too close to him because she's of course a covid denying psychopath despite the fact she has a medical degree um and he said in in spanish he asked her to please you know back up you're too close to me uh and apparently she went on a fucking like a racial epithet like tear at him and like you know told him to go back to his fucking country and like we should have killed all like this whole crazy fucking tirade right and then later followed him out into the parking lot and started stabbing his car with her keys um so just a real real fucking uh (laughs) intelligent person who i would trust with my health when it comes to a deadly virus um and and then there was another doctor but at least she respects my hipaa rights okay (laughs) right right Uh, right so um I Googled her and I Googled the other doctor that was prescribing it. And lo and behold, they both, I found them both on this website. And I actually don't even remember what it was, but I'm sure it it basically was like, it had a very vague description where it was like, you know, treatment of treatment of COVID-19, you know, COVID-19 treatment solutions, whatever. And it was just a list of doctors in each state that, um, would provide this this uh therapy right was the Um, website naturalnews.com no but it was of that caliber for sure (laughs) um and and it but it didn't say anything about ivermectin on the website but then i clicked through to all the links of these doctors and they're all taking telehealth visits um and prescribing ivermectin to people even though they're not even in those states i guess they you know applied for their license in those states what's a telehealth visit like a, a online only like you, you you do like a zoom call with them which right. is ironic because these people all claim that covid's not a big deal yet they won't meet with these people in their office they only want to meet with them well via. i mean if a telehealth visits enough to diagnose that terry shivo had brain activity then uh, it's good enough for covid right? right right no good enough for me um if you're old enough to know who terry shivo was you're too old <laughs> right uh, you're as old as we are <laughs> um but, no so uh and I, and I was looking at their website and they and they they cite like all these bullshit websites that like have no, you know, basics, basis and scientific fact and non peer reviewed studies, et cetera, et cetera. But the crazy thing is that they're all prescribing ivermectin, not as like a when you get covid, use it to treat it. They're you they're prescribing ivermectin as a daily preventative medication. Like so they're saying, like, you literally should take this for as long as you want protection from covid. Uh, and, and they're giving out like three month supplies of ivermectin. So people are literally taking this horse dewormer medication. And obviously this is the human version, the tablets, but still it, it hasn't, you know, it, it, FDA says, don't fucking use this for COVID. We have no studies that prove that this is even remotely effective. Um, and people are taking That's it just not because even, the government doesn't want you to know what works. Right. right. Not uh, even, not even to, to, not even to treat COVID. Like, like, oh well, I didn't get the vaccine and I got COVID, so fuck. Let me try to take this to reduce my symptoms. But to preemptively take it, 
like indefinitely daily, which I, nobody fucking would recommend. Like, I can't imagine how this was. See, but Anthony, it's just if you, you understand, in order to prevent getting the, the virus, what you need to do is to ingest some kind of a drug or medicine or antibody that builds up your immune system so, uh, ahead of time so that uh, when you you know, actually get it, the symptoms of the virus are diminished or you don't experience the symptoms at all. You don't, take, you don't take a vaccine. Right, right, right. If there was only an easier way to accomplish that than by, than by chugging a bottle of uh, tablets for, you know, that used to deworm horses. Um, but yeah, I, and I was looking at that and I was like, this is fucking like medical malpractice. Like, how are they able to do this? But I think there's just some sketchy loophole where if you, uh, you can, you can, the the laws for t- practicing telehealth are a lot flimsier than they are for practicing like in-person medicine i think because i don't know i this woman i'm sure is going to lose her license if and when she's uh charged with hate crime because she's being in she's being they're considering charging her with a hate crime this happened pretty recently this this assault on this uh this guy in the pharmacy parking so she can lot lose so her medical license to write prescriptions for uh snake oil if she assaults a guy for a hate crime uh but not if she's actually like misusing her medical license like right how, right how does that work <laughs> you know it, i think the problem is that there it, it you know and and obviously you know and this is the the exception that proves the rule but there should be a very stringent process for a state board to strip you of your medical license you know without a without a, a review now in this case i think you certainly have enough evidence to say uh, this person's a fucking psychopath. But like I said, that website has a bunch of doctors like I and I don't even want to give it out because I don't want people to fucking use it. But it has a bunch of doctors that will prescribe ivermectin to you indefinitely. And it even had like in the FAQ section on the website. Um, well, what if my pharmacy won't fill my ivermectin prescription? <laughs> and it was like, well, we have other ways of getting it to you. And then there was a link. That's to right. A- you go down to Savannah, Georgia to Wayne Feed and Seed and they'll hook you up. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, and, and, you know, they, they, they don't recommend you using the fucking veterinary form of it in, you know, horse pace. Cause it's a lot easier to dose in a tablet where, with an, a specific milligram, but they list, they link to like a Canadian pharmacy where you can order a larger than three month supply of this. I, I'm like, what the fuck? This is fucking like, th- you're, th- these are the lines you're going through to not take the fucking vaccine. Like it's unbelievable. Well, Anthony, mental you, fucking... you got to remember that 29 million Americans uh, don't have any health insurance. So how would they get a free vaccine? <laughs> right, right, right. It, 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 it's very cost prohibitive, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I, I, I just wanted to bring that up quick because I, I was just that was my rabbit hole yesterday. Instead of actually doing work was I was just looking up this fucking lunatic um, who, who's prescribing families in New York uh, indefinite ivermectin prescriptions um yeah just just fucking unreal but um anyway back to back to afghanistan because there were some more that we wanted to touch on while we oh, were wait i had one other little tidbit about uh the, the guy uh captain joe manning i i must oh. have written this i i must have written this like late at night while i was drinking um and, and you know just imagine he like did his own commercial right uh testimonial thing uh i am a seventh day adventist father of five children to four wives and a wayne county sheriff so believe me when i say that i am not vaccinated my choice (laughs) my right but if you are a horse who is unsuccumbed to ringworm heartworm or intestinal worms my family with our meager means wishes to speak to you 
regarding procurement of your prescriptions post haste. I don't know what the fuck I wrote that for. <laughs> it's just like like riffing, you know, reading about this fucking lunatic. Right. I, I know they're a real thing, but the, whenever I hear Seventh-day Adventist, I just think of the leftovers because that's the only actual experience I have with the Seventh-day Adventist being like a real. Yeah. Somewhere I read that that's, that was like his his jam, apparently. Oh, so. no, no shock. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just the stupidest possible form of Catholicism where you think <laughs> the world's going to constantly end every, you know, couple of years. And then hey. you, you get to push it back valentine's day bummer (laughs) (laughs) right so yeah well speaking of bummers let's get back to afghanistan quick because i want to play we do have one clip from biden's uh speech uh which you know i like you said there were and i watched yeah i didn't get to watch the whole thing i watched a good chunk of it though and it was a lot better than most biden speeches i think there was still of course the usual american exceptionalism will always sink in and you know actually even before i get to the clip i do want to mention you know he basically said what the line from the administration has been which i genuinely believe that members of the administration believed is that they thought the afghanistan the afghan army would hold the taliban for longer maybe not indefinitely but certainly hold the taliban for more than at least long enough for people not to notice (laughs) right Right. Not, not to not to have to like do like an argo scramble to the airport with all the interpreters and shit like and the funny thing is, and I meant to, I don't remember if I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but I, there was this great clip uh, of Nicholas Maduro at a press conference who increasingly seems like the smartest guy at the head of a country in, in the entire uh, world right now. Because every time he says something, I'm like, oh man, this fucking guy knows. Like this guy doesn't, doesn't sugarcoat it or bullshit at all. Um, he was saying like, you know, it's one of two things. Like either... A, they were lying, which, you know, uh, is possible. Um, or no, I'm sorry. No, he said either A, uh, they genuinely didn't expect this to go the way it did, which really kind of shows you uh, what decline the U.S. empire is in. Or Biden's people, the CIA, the State Department, the feds, everyone who's give, feeding him this intel, lied to him deliberately to try to, you know, use that to hurt him in the press or to hurt him reputationally um and he's like and that really seems like the more likely situation here because you know he for whatever reason uh joe biden who you know when he was a senator uh never met a war he didn't like whether it was because his son then went to war and then he like whatever and i'm and you look he's not a fucking like he's still a hawk in a lot of ways like no don't get me wrong but you know for whatever reason he thought that he seems to make it you know clear that he genuinely believes the right thing to do is to get us out of afghanistan um and he's committed to it despite the obvious outs that he's been given of like oh well fuck the taliban's back so we gotta you know i think i think a more somebody who wanted to stay but was being arm twisted into leaving would have used that as an excuse to get back in and i'm i i do give him credit for not doing that I think what Maduro well, was saying, though, is right. Just, yeah, it's it's not like an, a, a sudden revelation. You remember, you know, it was it was back in 2012 that Joe right. Biden on Twitter said, according to POTUS, according to Barack Obama, we're going to be completely pulled out by 2014. And of course, that didn't fucking happen. So you right. know, it was when, when Joe Biden does a speech last night, um, this pretty incredible speech. Uh, and he says, we should have been out of there 10 years ago. Like he was saying that 10 years ago, 10 years ago, he was saying we should be gone now. 
right? So right. For, for all of his, you know, uh, other foreign policy failings, you know, uh, having no interest in re-signing uh, Obama's Iran nuclear agreement, uh, pretty much um, continuing increasing sanctions on Cuba that Trump put in place. Um, this is this is the thing that stuck with him is is ending this one. And, and he repeatedly used the phrase forever wars. I was not going to you know commit to another 10 years of a forever war or a forever exit. You know, and right. that phrase "forever wars." That's the, the there was a uh, I think it was an Intercept article yesterday by Ryan Grimm talking about like all the people on the you know alt left radical you know uh, dirtbag left <laughs> that have been pushing <laughs> that phrase that to now hear the president use it to know that that's like that's at the very right, we've top. said that for years and now it's actually you know being repeated by somebody who you think would be uh, yeah very very adverse to using that sort of terminology right. Right. So, yeah, I mean, credit to the, you know, almost non-existent anti-war movement for the last 10 years that the people were still fighting to end that war finally won. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, with Biden, I, I genuinely and it's not that I don't I don't think he's a hawk. It's not that I'm saying I'm, I'm it's not that I'm saying I don't think he's a hawk. I just think he's kind of a, a dim bulb in the sense that, like, he just believes anything he's told, which is why it was so easy to trick him with the intel to advocate so strongly to go into iraq and why it was so easy to trick him with the intel that like oh no they'll they'll hold off the taliban for a while you don't have to worry about you know because i think if somebody said to him like hey you can do this pullout but you're gonna get fucking pilloried in the press because the taliban are gonna take over in 10 seconds he would have changed his strategy like i genuinely think he was convinced because no no one's dumb like you know whether they want to do something or not i don't think anyone's dumb enough to take that big of a political hit to their to their credibility um i i genuinely think he's just kind of really gullible in all situations which is why it was so easy to trick him into supporting the iraq war so vehemently and into into thinking that the taliban were gonna be held off for a while but i don't i don't think he's got and why he was so convinced that barack obama would take us out of afghanistan by 2014 like, I think he genuinely believes oh, when think, he's told I things. Think, I don't think he thought that Obama would do that. I think he was saying that's what we are going to do, hoping it would, you know, put it on the record and and make him look bad. And it was there was more than a couple of times where Biden went off script before he was supposed to. Right. They never um, had a great relationship. That's, that's to, the thing to basically them. force Obama into a corner and have to go along with it. Biden did this on on uh, gay marriage, on marriage equality. Uh, Biden came out in support <laughs> right. of it publicly before Obama did, which makes the president puts him in a really awkward position of having to then change his point of view because the vice president is now out in front of the president. And that was that was back when I was like, you know, like, hey, Biden debating Sarah Palin when we all were like, holy shit, he's running circles around this woman. Right. You know, and and we've watched Biden's mental state decline for the last few years and watching him at the debates has been just painful. Right. And then we watch him in the speech last night and it's like, Holy shit, this guy's minds back together. Like they somehow he like willed himself back into being a coherent, uh, leader and, you know, said things that I didn't expect him to say, said things that, that people the, right. haven't even really processed. I think there was only one article I read last night that really, grasped the full scope of what biden was saying in a good way now bill crystal grasped it obviously and shit his pants <laughs> right <laughs> because, right because biden said a lot of things um 
I, I got a ton of stuff on this. I don't even know if I'll get to all of it, but well, this was this was as close to an anti-imperialist speech as any sitting president I've ever known has ever given. Right, certainly in our lifetime. Um, I want to play the uh, I want to play the clip we have from it too, and then we'll we'll talk some more about it. Yeah, but but yeah, for sure he was given like the the extra special K for this speech. Like he was very focused in a way that you don't typically see out of him um outside of this and like that bernie debate where he was like like really fucking speedy and they clearly had given him like the good shit um but um but no and this clip by the way is a little sped up it's probably like at times you know it's probably 1.1 speed uh we we ripped it from kyle kalinsky who ripped it for his show and i think he speeds up his clips for brevity's sake so it is sped up slightly, but but you can still get a sense of the clarity of what he was saying compared to his usual mush-mouthedness. So uh, I'll play this, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. I made a commitment to the American people that I would end this war. Today, I've honored that commitment. It was time to be honest with the American people again. We no longer had a clear purpose in an open-ended mission in Afghanistan. After 20 years of war in Afghanistan, I refuse to send another generation of America's sons and daughters to fight a war that should have ended long ago. After more than $2 trillion spent in Afghanistan, the cost that researchers at Brown University estimated would be over $300 million a day for 20 years in Afghanistan, for two decades. Yes, the American people should hear this, $300 million a day for two decades. You take the number of one trillion, as many say, that's still one hundred and fifty million dollars a day for two decades. What have we lost as a consequence in terms of opportunities? I refuse to continue a war that was no longer in the service of the vital national interests of our people. And most of all, after eight hundred thousand Americans serving Afghanistan, I've traveled that whole country, brave and honorable service. After twenty thousand seven hundred forty four American servicemen and women injured and the loss of 2,461 American personnel, including 13 lives, lost just this week. I refuse to open another decade of warfare in Afghanistan. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know... Uh, you, you remember you remember when they, they told us that this would be the most progressive administration since FDR, you know, and everyone was trying to compare Biden right. to FDR, and right. we all laughed at that, and there was like, there's no fucking way. This is this is the only time I've ever thought like, wow, he actually sounds like fucking FDR right now. <laughs> um, but instead of you know rallying us to fight against Japan uh, after Pearl Harbor, he's saying like, hey, you know what? This was a dumb fucking idea, right? And he's saying it with conviction, which is like we've never really heard him say things with conviction before. <laughs> Certainly and, not good things. He said a lot of bad things with conviction. Sure, sure, sure. But again, you know, a lot of times he just rambles and you're like, what's the fucking point? Where is he trying to go with this? You know, and right. this was this was succinct. This was saying something meaningful. This was this was Jimmy Carter telling Americans like, hey, stop burning up so much fucking fossil fuels. The reason why you're in line for the gas is because you won't stop. You're addicted to it. You're addicted to this consumer lifestyle. And then they just, you know, completely obliterated Jimmy Carter for for telling America what it needed to hear, right? And, and he's been vindicated, I think, in the end. Luckily, oh, yeah, but, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But I think Joe Biden also knows that he's going to be vindicated in the in the end because he's the one who said, like, you know, obviously Trump was and Pompeo were the ones that uh, 
negotiated this exit strategy that was with withdrawal plan with the Taliban. <laughs> kind of forgot to include the Afghan government, but oopsie. Uh, but <laughs> it's not. A, I mean, look, it's not a real government anyway. We it's a fucking uh, puppet. Course. You know, it's of us. Course. It's like why would we include a second voice from the U.S. in the fucking negotiation? Well, you know? And that's what I love about you know the the, the Trump style of diplomacy. It's the, it's the Dennis Rodman style of diplomacy. It's like, look, who's going to be in charge after we leave? It's not going to be the the fucking guy. That, the guy that we installed left before the Taliban even got there. Right. <laughs> he pieced <laughs> the fuck out. He, his own staffers were at lunch and came back from lunch and were like, wait, he went where? <laughs> <laughs> like, literally. His own yeah. staffers didn't know he'd left the compound. He left so, the country. He went to, like, Jordan or something, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just just hilarious. So, I, I, you know, it's it's like we want to live this fantasy that like, oh, we're so we're so needed in the world, right? And you have these other people that are like, they don't need us. They're gonna be they're gonna have to make their own way as soon as we're gone, and it's gonna be as soon as we're gone. Actually, not even until we're totally gone. They're they're not gonna wait till we have cleared the airfield before they're gonna take over. But they still, you know, like this this was this was all planned. This was this was the plan. This was the deal. This was the way to get out. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely it was. And and I, you know, again I applaud him. Um I wish he had more of the FDR in him when it came to economic issues and that's just I think ingrained in him because he's a fucking boomer product of 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 this time, but he and he's never going to be that way, but um I, you know, people forget also with FDR. FDR wasn't some fucking socialist. Like FDR was, you know, a rich guy who who understood who was smart and understood fundamentally that things couldn't continue the way they were because they would lose everything they had and he basically you know saved capitalism from itself and that was you know fdr is like look if we don't make some major fucking changes you guys are going to collapse this whole country and then you're going to have nothing left because people are going to rip you out of your fucking houses and string you up so i'm going to do some major shit that you're not going to like to make sure that you know we maintain some element of the status quo but so that people aren't you know just destitute and devoid of any hope or meaning and decide to just you know rise up like that was fdr's whole thing that people kind of don't i think fully grasp about fdr and you know at least in this issue on this issue you know biden is certainly behaving like that now i do hope that he he realizes that he doesn't have much time left in office or you know in, uh, in on this planet uh and you know starts to act like fdr when it comes to economic and other social issues but you know this is certainly the best thing he's done so far as president and i will i think it's important that you know as much as he sucks in a lot of ways that we give him credit when he does the right thing because then we if we don't we just seem like like fucking hypocrites or tribalists the same way they do exactly. like it's you know exactly. it, it's important to not you know just be like oh well but like like yeah i know like there are for, certainly some fucking things that i would have done differently even within this withdrawal but you, you got to give him credit where credit is due he's doing the thing that we wanted him to do get the fuck out like get the fuck out of all the other countries we're in too like that's what we oh, wanted there was the people that were tweeting out like today's the first day that i've woken up where america wasn't at war like <laughs> right. uh what we like, got six um, other fucking wars what what world are you living in that we know of right it, yeah so yeah it's it just yeah it's preposterous but you know it, it's a, it's certainly a good foot forward and it's a good mission statement like you were saying 
for foreign policy going forward. And I hope that it's carried forward. Now, I have no confidence that it's going to be carried forward with someone like Kamala fucking Harris. That's psychopath in office. Like she's a fucking uh she's i mean look she was a cop she's a bloodthirsty lunatic so i'm sure she's not going to share uh the desire the genuine desire to get out and that you know at the end of the and and people i think we all kind of instinctively know this like you can talk to somebody up and down till you're blue in the face to try to get them to do something differently than what they want to do if you hear from them like uh yeah like you you hear like oh yeah i'll do it but you don't you know that they're not convinced of it themselves you know they're not going to do it at the end of the day you know it's at when it when the chips are down when it comes to their reputation or their money on the line or the whatever it is if somebody is not genuinely convinced that it's the right thing to do for them uh they're not going to do it so there's no amount of like political maneuvering that's going to make me think that kamala harris is going to be less hawkish when she takes office or anyone, any other Democrat for that matter, who, who right. is a potential. Well, she's shown that she's far more pliable. She's just like, oh, whatever you want me to be, I'll be it. Uh, right. It, which is way more scary to me. Sure. Um, right. Because the, but, the, but the permanent the, the state's going to. And the same token, that the one thing that, you know, Biden fell back on mm-hmm. most of his speech was, you know, this is my decision. I'm making this decision. Right. You know, it's the right decision. Uh, fuck all you haters. The one thing he did fall back on was saying that, you know, the entire Joint Chiefs of Staff agreed with him that this was the, the you know, the time was now. Like, it's never going to be better than this. And so, you know, presenting that united front, I think, probably silenced a lot of that criticism. You know, this wasn't this wasn't haphazard. We just knew that whenever we did it, it was going to be this. And our goal was to to have it be. Uh, you know, go as smoothly as possible, which I think um, people don't realize how smoothly it did go. Um, and and the things they had to do to make sure it did go smoothly, I think would shock a lot of people, or at least shocked a lot of people in the press. Um, this is We've talked about how much the Taliban and the U.S. have been working together. You know, it was the Taliban that asked the U.S. to guard the airport until right. all the people were out. They could have just taken it over and been like, you know, we're going to, we're going to completely control it. But then we have this terrorist attack, right? You have 13 people, uh, 13 U.S. troops killed and something like 170 uh, Afghan civilians killed, which I have a lot of questions about because that's more people than were killed by the Oklahoma City bombing when you had an entire truck full of, full right. of bombs. Right. Now, this was just like two guys with suicide bomber vests or a backpack. And the the theory is that, you know, these bombs go off and you have chaos and most of the people actually killed were killed by by U.S. security forces, troops or some of the, the mercenaries they'd hired who just started spraying bullets into the crowd, just panic firing. Right, right. Which uh, is not unprecedented for uh, our soldiers and or contractors abroad, it's, it's right. even in Afghanistan and Iraq. We, we've so, seen multiple. Yeah. So so given that they know that there's terrorists out there in Kabul city, six million people, they could be anywhere. And they're trying to get Americans to the airport and have not, you know, make sure that more Americans don't get killed. Right. Because they were they were sure that they were going to have at least one more attempt at terrorist attack while they're trying to get people out. So, like, yes, the situation is very dire, but not because of the U.S. and not because of the Taliban. Like they're trying to do this as, as orderly as possible. So I think a lot of those criticisms were unfounded. And I love that Biden really pushed back on that and said, like, look, I respectfully disagree. Like we were doing the best we could given the circumstances. And I think, you know, by and large, 
to move 120,000 people through an airport in a matter of two weeks uh, in the middle of a war zone <laughs> where people are, are literally like just blowing, you know, setting off bombs, you know, deliberately yeah. targeting Americans um, is like, again, I hope somebody makes a movie about it, about people trying to do the right thing to end a war and sa- actually save lives instead of take lives. But this was a headline. This was you know, a little bit more detail about how far that working relationship with the Taliban went. Uh, this headline was Taliban members escorted Americans to gates at Kabul airport in secret arrangement with the U.S. So this is one of the things that, that they kept saying was, you know, the U.S. is protecting the airport, but we don't have the personnel to go out and get you and bring you to the airport safely. Like you're on your own getting to the airport, which I mean, that alone is kind of scary if you're trying to. Uh, evacuate people out of the country with a deadline, right? So I just want to read a few paragraphs here. U.S. military negotiated a secret arrangement with Taliban that resulted in Taliban members escorting groups of Americans to the gates of the Kabul airport as they sought to escape Afghanistan, according to two defense officials. One of the officials also revealed that U.S. Special Operations Forces set up a secret gate at the airport and established call centers to guide Americans through the evacuation process. Now, I'll get to the call center thing a little bit more here in a minute, but the, the fact they mentioned that is interesting to me, uh, especially. Uh, the U.S. troops were able to see the Americans approach with their Taliban escorts in most cases in an attempt to ensure their safety. Uh, the officials spoke on the condition of anonymity due to the sensitivity of the arrangements, which have not been disclosed until now because the U.S. was concerned about Taliban reaction to any publicity, as well as the threat of attacks from ISIS-K, if its operatives had realized Americans were being escorted in groups, essentially, you know, if they know there's a huge group of Americans, that's a fucking bullseye on their back. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know if they send out a bunch of U.S. troops into the streets, that's another bullseye. So they're trying to, like, secretly get people to the airport uh, with the Taliban being their only escort and guard. Right. That's that's a lot of trust to place in somebody. Right. Who, you know, up until days ago were our basically our enemy in this war. So throughout the evacuation, the Biden administration officials stressed that the Taliban was cooperating and senior officials stated that they had committed to providing safe passage for Americans. The Taliban escort missions happened several times a day, according to one of the officials. One of the key muster points was a Ministry of Interior building just outside of the airport's gates where nearby U.S. forces were ready to or were readily able to observe the Americans approaching. Americans were notified by various messages about where to gather. It worked, and it worked beautifully, one official said of the arrangement. As of Monday, when the U.S. uh, completed its withdrawal, more than 122,000 people in total had been airlifted um, from Karzai International Airport since July, and more than 6,000 Americans uh, had been evacuated. However, 13 American service members and more than 170 Afghans were killed in the suicide blast at the airport last week, and another separate secret arrangement not disclosed until the operation was over. Troops from the Elite Joint Special Operations Command, JSOC, and other special operation units were also on the ground helping Americans escape by contacting them through call centers. One of the officials said, uh, Special Operations Forces had set up its own secret gate at the airport and was at times in direct communication with Americans telling them exactly where to walk to find the gate to be able to get inside the airport. So they mentioned call centers a few times here, and we're talking about getting you know, thousands of people somewhere. And 
this is it's interesting to me um, because when I worked at the State Department, I worked at the uh, NPIC National Passport Information Center, where there's hundreds of people taking millions of calls a year, mostly in regard to uh, passport applications. Right now, in a event of a hurricane or you know uh, evacuation, a situation such as this, we have uh, basically uh, a call center task force. Right. That that works with people end to end to get them from where they are to get them out of the country and help them with whatever logistics they need, whether that's telling them where to go, telling them, you know, like trying to help them book hotels, uh, book flight reservations, whatever it is. My where I worked, my office, my call center, which is one of only two in the country that does this, uh, would be essentially that task force getting those people where they need to go. And it, if I was still working there, there's a good chance I would have been on that task force because my specialty was working uh, in people's high stress situations, um, advanced problem solving, uh, things of that nature. So the fact that they're mentioning call centers here several times, the, there's, there's no other part of the government that has a call center that does this kind of thing, right? That would be able to help out thousands of people in a point of crisis the way the Department of State would. Right. So just, just an interesting little tidbit there. But the fact, again, that the, we were, uh, you know, had so much trust with the Taliban, with his working relationship as we were withdrawing our exit strategy, they were, we were like, hey, uh, could you help us out? Could you do us a salad and make sure that we get thousands of our citizens out of the country safely before they get blown up by ISIS? Uh, could you do that for us? Oh, you can. Wonderful. <laughs> so the, the fact that they were we were that um, aware of the danger and willing to trust our our enemy up until just recently, our enemy, to get people out alive, uh, and and successfully did that. When they say, you know, we, we when when you have these people countering the the you know the media saying that oh it's it was chaos it was a complete disaster it's like what what would you have done how would you what would you have done differently oh you don't have anything differently you would have done then what the fuck are you talking about. Right. And, and, you know, ultimately it's like, what, what, what was the, what did you think was going to happen? Like, this is a country that we have been occupying by force. We installed a puppet government. Uh, like what, what is, what, what did this, what did a peaceful withdrawal look like to these people? Like what, I, I don't, there's no situation where we got out in a, in a less chaotic manner than we did. Like it, it you know, it could have gone a lot worse, but I certainly think this is about best case scenario for how we could have extracted ourselves from the situation that we created um, with, with minimal bloodshed, you know, comparatively. I, I just, again, well, there's no, it, and it, it's a great example of how you can successfully accomplish something when there is a clear goal and a clear shared vision. Uh, right. I hate that term, but it, it makes sense when you have people working together who want to achieve something, it's amazing what you can do. Uh, and, and Biden even said that in his speech. He was like, look, if we're going to ever do this again, we need to know what, what the mission is. We need to know what the strategy is. Just hanging around wondering what the fuck we're doing for decades, uh, that, that's not how you should be conducting yourself. And when he, said, when he said this decision about Afghanistan is not just about Afghanistan, it's about ending an era of, of major military operations to remake other countries. That was the that was the fucking needle scratching the record moment where every every neocon and neoliberal and and natsec Tom Clancy circle jerk guy was just like blah, 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 what yeah, we're not gonna shit their depends we're, at that moment we're not gonna do what anymore 
like i mean carl rove said it himself like he was asked what so when do you leave iraq and afghanistan he's like you don't you don't you don't leave that was the fucking plan and that was why when the press you know the, the little adversarial press that they did have at the time asking them for an exit strategy and they kept saying oh well we know we have one we're just not gonna share it with you they not only did they not have one their exit strategy was never exit like that was the plan the plan was just that's now ours this is a place that we have a forward operating base at you know in, in a macro sense this is our uh new territory where we just permanently have uh thousands of troops stationed and and we use this as our beachhead in the middle east you know <laughs> having the one in israel wasn't enough we need to have one uh in iraq and one in afghanistan right and and that was always the plan was never to leave so you know to his credit joe biden disrupted that by saying like no we need to get the fuck out like what we told the american people we were going to do because that's why i'm saying like he went along with both of these wars very you know gung-ho like he was very vocal in support of the iraq war and in the invasion of afghanistan i do believe that he genuinely thought though at the time it was the right thing to do and he believed the bullshit intel which is why i think he's so vehement now about correcting the thing that he sees that he was fucked and you know tricked into supporting and because he was also told at the time like we do have an exit strategy we're going to get out eventually so that's why i genuinely think that he you know for whatever reason like that's the reason he wants to get out like he told people he was going to and he you know he's very he's very like uh old school about like uh, you know i give you my word as a biden he says that all the time and i think he genuinely oh, yeah. thinks he means that you know like so he he thinks the like oh well i told people we were getting out and we didn't i want to make good on that promise you know regardless of all the other corruptions that he does you know take on he's never it, been really good so about hiding it you know yeah it's just so remarkable when somebody's like like stubbornness ends up in a good result right so it's, it's so it, rare <laughs> right well because that's his um, whole career he's always been that way but he's also not somebody who is gonna like like he you know we had those those speeches on the floor of congress where he was like talking brazenly about how he totally you know is gonna do favors for corporations if they give him money but like he's never been tactful about hiding you know the, who he was like he's always been pretty upfront about stuff like that now it's not to say he doesn't lie about other things but it, it's just I think he, at his core, thinks he's a good and honorable guy, and that's why he thought he had to make good on this promise that they all made to the American people that they would have an exit strategy and get us out of these places. And, right. Well, and, and it's hilarious, too, because you're watching his poll numbers go down um, when he is right now doing the thing or, or exhibiting the qualities that everyone over 65 years old claimed to have voted for him for. Right. And now, but then they're like, well, wait, what? We're going <laughs> to, like, this is. Well, and, but, and then it was polling really well for, for, for years withdrawing from Afghanistan. But it's a, and a it problem. And it still is. It's it's still, still, and it still is polling at a majority. But this is just really the power of the state controlled media that we have in this country. And, and, you know, make no mistake about it, it is state controlled media, whether they call it that or not is you do see the effects in real time of just constant 24 seven cable news bombardment of this decision from, from the, from the, you know, the Republican networks and the democratic networks uh, has really taken a significant, like visible chunk out of his approval numbers. And you see that th this is just what the permanent state does. It manufactures consent. It's people are really fucking dumb, unfortunately, and are very susceptible to being manipulated on, into opposing something that they 
certainly supported their entire lives and would support if they weren't being given so much false information about it, you know, 24 seven from the news media, I think. So there was, like I was mentioning, there was not a lot of um, recognition of the media of the, the larger subtext uh, of what Biden's speech had to say, at least not a recognition in a positive light. But there was one article I saw from uh, Politico that I think, you know, had kind of read the room appropriately. And I want to yeah. read a little bit from that. I'm going to skip a, a chunk of it here that I had. Uh, it's by Jeff Greenfield. I don't know much about him, but uh, the title was uh, The Hidden Message in Joe Biden's Afghanistan Speech. Uh, and he starts here. Biden's caution about the limits of U.S. power could launch a debate that many Americans have wanted for decades. And this is always like the the the, the real silent majority <laughs> that they always, you know, uh, pundits ignore and pretend that, you know, this is this is the the valor and patriotism that we all really want when, in fact, uh, we're fucking sick of it. <laughs> uh, he right. continues. Biden's Biden spoke words that no president has ever spoken, at least not since the Cold War began three quarters of a century ago. Um, perhaps the most significant for American politicians is that Biden seems to be embracing a belief now shared across ideological lines. America's international role has been an exercise in overreach for more than a decade. In fact, this has been a more uh, powerful current than the foreign policy establishment like might like to admit. This message was one of the less appreciated strengths of Donald Trump's campaign in 2016, uh, muddied though it was by a heavy dose of nativism. It was evident uh, in the sharp turn against George W. Bush in the 2006 midterms as the Iraq War, which, purpo uh, which purported to turn the country into a bulwark of freedom, crashed and burned. It bolstered the candidacy of Barack Obama at the expense of Hillary Clinton, who voted for the Iraq War. And it lies at the heart of the appeal uh, Biden made today. Whatever went wrong as we left Afghanistan, his argument went, we had to get out and we have to learn from that misguided adventure. And that that's the th that I'm going to leave it there. And that's the thing that, like, we never are told by leaders that we have to learn from our mistakes. We're always told we don't look back, we look forward, right? And and the, right. the, mis the, the mistake there is we, if you only look forward and you never look at your fucking mistakes, you're going to make those same fucking mistakes forever, right? And, and, and that kind of language is by design to, so that we don't ever go, hey, yeah, why didn't we prosecute any of those bankers that crashed the housing market? Hey, yeah, why didn't we uh, prosecute any of those CIA agents that tortured people? Like, you know, <laughs> they want right. to have a, a blank check to, you know, get out of jail free pass to do it again. Right. right. So when you, when you hear a president say uh, we need to learn from our fucking mistakes and end this era of forever wars, that's revolutionary compared to what we're used to hearing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, again, I just whatever it is prompting it. And I think we've outlined a lot of the things behind it. Uh, it it's something that we should celebrate and not, you know, uh, try. I just and again, I'm not saying like, oh, Biden's fucking awesome. I, you know, it, it's just we we should not look for a reason to not support something that we have supported, you know, our entire political lives. Like just, you know, we need to learn to take the win, right. you know, which we well, never and, fucking and, get. And we need to take it further, too, because when he says, you know, we've spent three hundred million dollars a day. Think about all we've lost that we could have done. 
right? right. It's like, exactly, Joe, exactly. So now, when are you going to start pushing for Medicare for all? Because if you can make that connection, you need to make the next connection. That if we're not for that war, we could have health insurance for every single American. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, I so think don't that's... take the heat off him just because he did the right thing. Keep pushing him. Right. Like we, we we were told, like, well, just get elect Joe Biden and then we'll push him left. It's like, OK, well, we got it. We got our foot in the door now. Fucking do it. <laughs> keep right. let's, keep let's, pushing in. Keep pushing that motherfucker until he falls off the edge. Um, yeah. So real quick before we get out of here, I do want to briefly touch on some Supreme Court stuff we have, uh, too, because there are a couple big Supreme Court um it, it, rulings decisions just happenings uh this week decrees decrees call them decrees from right um so yeah what so you wanted to mention briefly the eviction moratorium uh decision that they made oh yeah well we knew this one was probably gonna get tossed out by scotus and and that was even the strategy uh which aoc was was adamant that you know this is just a stalling tactic to keep people in their homes for a little while uh which you know essentially shows that she understood exactly why force the vote would have worked to uh you know to to get a vote on medicare for all um that you do the right thing even when you know it's not going to win long term if it has a short-term strategy like gee like couldn't couldn't you fucking fathom that a few months it totally is an easier way to phrase that (laughs) yeah yeah um so the, the SCOTUS tossed out Biden's eviction moratorium. Um, and the reasoning is just like a laundry list of things that were like, wait, why don't we do that? Uh, so this is just, I don't even know what article this is from, but it quotes from the, from the ruling, uh, from the majority ruling decree, I should say. Uh, the conservative Supreme Court justices argued that allowing the Biden eviction moratorium to remain could pave the way for these kinds of outcomes. Quote, could the CDC, for example, mandate free grocery delivery to the homes of the sick and vulnerable? Require manufacturers to provide free computers to enable people to work from home? Order telecommunications companies to provide free high-speed internet to facilitate remote work? <laughs> this is from the actual court, court ruling, saying like, what, what, what terrifying precedent this might set. Right. So the ruling continues. Preventing landlords from evicting tenants who breach their leases intrudes on one of the most fundamental elements of property ownership, the right to exclude. The right just, to just, exclude. Just, 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 just real. I, and, and I'm sure either Roberts or, or Thomas wrote that, but like, just, just, they're such motherfuckers. Like they, they, they just really don't live. I mean, they've, they've, they've been going to this job where they don't have, cameras in their in their courtroom and they they they've been they just go to this job where they wear these fucking frilly robes and sit around and and rule on the lives of 350 million people and and they just kind of rule along with their their really fucking conservative you know shitty whims and i say that for everybody everyone on that court's a fucking conservative it's just which shade of conservative are they how deeply conservative are they you know fucking rbg the liberal hero that she was was you know is you know we talked about it when she died really fucking terrible on a lot of issues um almost across the board they're all pretty shitty when it comes to uh capitalism and, and reigning in capitalism but it's just it, it's just amazing to me that we still have this fucking uh, th- this panel of nine people uh unelected who who get to sit there forever and, and really like ruin 
millions and hundreds of millions of people's lives with their fucking like callous you know little little decisions and little fucking memos well, that they the write. precedent though here is is that you know private property matters more than human life you know right. if, if if it means that uh somebody might not be able to have total control over property that they don't physically live in but they simply own as a means of investment and speculation to collect rent from uh the person that lives there that their life means less than that inanimate object that's keeping them alive right <laughs> that, that's protecting them from the elements rain snow uh fire smoke <laughs> from half the uh, country being on fire um right and that's that's you know part of that is is you know we we debated that when we were trying to figure out like how to govern a country what what are the laws of this country there was a debate about what things would be enshrined right what would we protect at all costs and it came down to private property was going to be the thing that was the going to be enshrined in our constitution and there was talk about you know personal property versus private property uh which is you know if you get really into um some theory there there's there's quite a bit of that um but right. we just, I mean, we had a debate on this. It was debated hotly, you know, what was going to be enshrined and what wasn't. And it, it fell on the side of private property. And that was going to be the, the basis for all law in this country. Weird that property. a bunch of wealthy slave and landowners decided that private property was going to trump personal uh, freedom and personal welfare. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's always the, the funniest thing is, like, oh, so, you know, if, if you say you don't support private property, so I can just walk into your house and fucking take your chairs and your china cabinet. You know, it's like, no. No, because that's that's my personal property. Private right. property is not your personal property. <laughs> Private property is when the place you live is owned by somebody else. It's right. it's people like, oh, I can't go buy my own house. No, of course. Like communist China, you can't own a house. Like, no, you can own anything you want. It's just, I mean, of course, this has changed now. But I mean, in theory, under a communist government, communist economy, uh, you would not be able to own somebody else's house. Right. Now, of course, we are in America are so trained to believe that that's abhorrent that we you would hear that and go that that's you know that's oppressive that's taking away my freedom and liberty that's you know oh if I can't uh, if I can't have a plantation in Cuba where people are enslaved to me to work the the, the sugar crop then I'm ha I have to flee the, that oppressive regime that won't let me have those slaves <laughs> right. right. And and then when every time you talk to somebody in Miami and you can get down to the roots of it, like why why are you what what was the oppressive regime that you had to flee? Oh, it was you, you couldn't get your your slave plantation back, right, 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 and some variation of that. Oh well, they took away all my uh, my dad's condos that he was renting out at ten times you know the actual value of them. Like it's now it's all I got shit. my own condo that's owned privately and may or may not collapse. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's probably not built to uh, last more than the next couple of years. But whatever, I'll get as much rent out of that shit as I can until uh, we trap every building who lives code. there under rubble. What kind um, of fucking Stalinist regime is this fucking building code bullshit? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, and of course, you know, uh, the the Pisaki in her, in her press briefing was like, oh, well, you know, Merrick Garland's going to do everything he can. I mean, look, the fucking Democrats still control every chamber of, con of, of Congress. They could easily pass a law extending the eviction moratorium but you know god forbid they actually fucking did something for the american people they know that that's not going to happen so they're just gonna you know try to well they're, they're still on summer break right now aren't they 
they might be yeah god forbid we interrupt their fucking you know their their weeks long vacation that they get to fucking take multiple times a year um look but chuck yeah. schumer and stephen colbert are not done dancing in the backyard yet okay <laughs> we'll let you know when they're ready to legislate they're still waiting for that that concert in, in central park to start back up again after the uh, thunderstorms they're still they're still they still think it might happen um no so yeah fucking supreme court fucking sucks and should be abolished um uh and also on that front today this morning uh we learned that they're not going to hear uh a case you know there was a lot of push to take up in a special circumstances case texas's rule supreme court ruling uh that upheld the the insanely draconian uh anti-abortion law that texas passed which basically forbids um and i'm just giving broad strokes but you obviously can you know look into the finer details of it but it forbids any abortions outside of six weeks uh of conception which you know anyone can tell you is barely even enough time to realize you missed your period um certainly is going to exclude the vast majority of people from even knowing that they're pregnant in that time and the people that are it, it's just you know and and the penalties are you know uh, you, you can be held liable if you participate in any way in the in the facilitation of this uh abortion up to and including the the uber driver that drives the the patient to the abortion so it's just again it's a chilling effect to make sure that nobody ever assists anybody in 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 uh practicing bodily autonomy and it's just fucking disgusting and but again what do you what else do you expect out of the supreme court um you know it, it's just it's it's unfathomable that they let this stand but it, well, there's also, I mean, the, they don't want to retry old cases, right? And and I think that like they they don't want to go back down to to anything that's going to be close to Roe v. Wade, um, because they just you know that that's kind of the way they rule is status quo. It's rarely that they really do law that's like a like you know a landmark thing that grants new rights. That's why we were also. Uh, kind of surprised about the 2014 marriage equality ruling that it, they, right. they they extended it to all 50 states not just the state of michigan right which was like that was ultimately the goal but nobody thought that the supreme court was really going to do that um so there's a, i think there's a lot of cases that they just don't want to hear because they understand the precedent that would be set if they did in fact rule on it justly right which well, is kind of just cowardice, right? Like right. if you if you know it's wrong, then you should be like, yeah, yeah, that's that's unjust. That's fucked up. We should be taking that case. Well, that's the whole thing is like they could, you know, and of course all the everyone on the court's like, oh yeah, no, we're totally constitutionalists, and you know, it's all bullshit. They all rule based on their own personal beliefs and principles. But um if they did took take it up, they certainly would just it would be it should in theory be an open and shut case. No, Roe v. Wade is settled law. This is beyond reasonable restrictions. You are clearly, you know, in violation of our initial ruling. Um, so this law will be struck down. Like that would be what would happen in theory if they were practicing the bench the way that they're, you know, intended to, uh, which is why they didn't take it up because they didn't. I, I think that the more traditional conservatives on the court didn't want to be so blatantly and flagrantly in violation of their, you know, stated duties uh in order to to you know to rule in favor of texas upholding that law so they decide to not hear the case like they voted to not hear the case i think that's probably the reasoning behind this and you know it's just it'll just it's going to keep coming back up because people are going to keep right every against this thing (laughs) 
Well, but also now it's going to be, you know, I think all these other fucking, uh, you know, Christo fascist states are going to feel emboldened now to do it because they know the Supreme Court doesn't want to fucking touch it. Um, right. And it, that's really bad because, you know, there's a, a mil- hundreds of millions of women live in, you know, the southern hemisphere of this country. Uh, and it's not really fucking easy when you, you know, for a lot of people, especially with the levels of poverty we have in the south and in this country in general, to have the means to get to a state where abortion is legal like it's not you but know texas isn't that big a state how far no, can no. the border be no it's like rhode island you can drive across it in like four hours like i'm sure it'd be fine <laughs> no of course it's the biggest state in the country and, and it's like it, you know i i wouldn't have the resources to get to another state right now for a medical procedure if i needed them i imagine like just millions of people who are in worse situations than i am like i can't even fathom like what you would do if you became pregnant and couldn't <laughs> It's, you know. it's so crazy because it just just to reference working at the State Department again, um, part of my job was uh, helping people set appointments for going into an actual State Department processing facility to get an expedited passport done in like a day. Right. Um, and in the logistics of where they live versus where the nearest place they could do that was, because I would talk to people that would be like right between San Diego and L.A. Right. And there was an office in each place that I would say, well, which, you know, what what's what's. Which one are you closer to? They're like, well, I'm closer to San Diego, but the fucking I'm ten miles away, which is like two hours of traffic to get to, right? <laughs> right? And you're like, like, don't don't take the fucking highway then, Jesus, get up, get on a bus. Um, but then you talk to people in Texas and be like, well, are you closer to uh, Dallas or Houston? And they're like. Oh, I'm about uh, eight hours away from both, so that's that's only like a one day drive for me. So I ain't no problem. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like they are used to that state being giant, right? <laughs> and right, you know, like they're, I got you know, I got my fucking uh, Dodge Durango packed up, gonna you know, make it visit my cousin. Uh, yeah, Pennsylvania it, like, is another state that's like that. It's not as bad, but it's 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 almost if for this area of the country, it's it's like the probably the worst case of that, where it's just like it's impossible to fucking get across pennsylvania in like a no. fashion. yeah well and, and you know like i get having a huge pick em up truck when when you're crossing the country and you're going hundreds of miles without any sign of you know but it's just, then you see these guys with these fucking trucks that are the size of an apartment in in a city and it's like i just assume you're a terrorist now like i assume right. you're you're the capital dc terrorist who showed up and parked his fucking f-150 on the sidewalk and then told everyone it was full of bombs now how many pounds of fertilizer can this truck hold in the in the truck bed how many all right <laughs> slaps the roof you can you can fit two tons of fertilizer in this baby <laughs> fuck um yeah so i mean you know it, it just sucks I, I i feel for the for the women that live in that fucking state because they don't really have any great alternatives and it doesn't seem like there's any relief in sight but that's the fucking right wing Christo fascist country we live in, unfortunately. Right. Well, it's I mean, get worse just, in a lot of ways. What about the poor women of Afghanistan? We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta make sure more. that we're protecting the women. Send the podcasters in. We gotta protect the women and girls at the airport. You have, <sighs> right. Get Kyle Kalinsky, para drop him, fucking halo drop him into into couple. It's just oh. you know, it's 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 hilarious to watch all those arguments completely be upended right like all the people that used to be you know the the right-wing christo fascists that were trying to say that you know we're going to war to save the women right right and then of course you know back here at home they're trying to ban abortion and trying to 
em- emulate the Taliban as much as possible. But then, <laughs> right. But also, like they they've given up on Afghanistan finally because like they had to actually you know like they had to actually go fight that war, or at least like their neighbor's kid had to go fight that war. Right. Right. Um, but still, like haven't you know like they they're they're like, the same thing with the COVID. Like they only learn or they only have a, a capacity for empathy if it happens to them directly. Right. Like all these these fucking right wing radio guys that are dropping dead or or coming to death's door and finally are like, I just want everyone to know is take the vaccine. <laughs> but then right. there was one there was one woman and she had written it. She was uh, she had like the the intubator thing where they cut a hole in your throat and put a fucking tube down in your lungs. Yeah. And you can't talk, right? So on a whiteboard, uh, she had she had written, um, you know, get the vaccine. This COVID is no joke, right? And it was like making the rounds <laughs> right. on the internet, and people were were like, you can't talk, or you 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 can't uh, be intubated unless you're unconscious. And I'm a nurse for 50 years, and I know that. And it was it was like, do people th- like how did just ugh, like the the number of of just right-wing it's just the, nurses it's so, who have right. a complete uh, hatred of medical science and somehow got to be a nurse it, like it's, why it's unbelievable why, to me the, how do we how did we not screen for that you right know? and right it but you know again it just proves that like not every you know <laughs> test this i think if anything else disproves standardized testing because there's you know a standard test that you have to take to, to become a nurse and if you're able to pass it you can get your license like and it's just you know again you're just training people in how to take tests not into how to to understand and grasp and and take in you know material that they learn and i think you see as a result a lot of that uh you know and there and there's some of it with doctors but it's it's a lot more prevalent with nurses and I'm not saying this is an anti-nurse thing. I think nurses are do way more than fucking doctors do. And, you know, like the National Nurses Union is one of the best unions in the country. Um, but there is a very vocal minority of really right-wing nutjob, naturopath, homeopathic nurses who fucking practice but, like, really are not good for the f- profession because they make other nurses look bad with their they're just anti-scientific, anti-science anti-medicine uh beliefs and viewpoints and it's just you, you and then people like that get held up as like this example of um like oh well look this nurse you know it's again it's like the same thing as like when the right wingers will find like a scientist to say that climate change is bullshit like you just have to find right. one <laughs> one fucking person one asshole who wants to make money or who has psychotic beliefs to support you and then you get to stand side by side with the vast majority of the medical community and of uh, factual information that disproves what that one or two idiots is saying. And, he, Look, and it looks Anthony, like it's black 50/50. Republicans are not a monolith. All right. <laughs> now black Republicans, we're not a monolith. <laughs> Have you seen this guy who's running against Gavin Newsom in California? Oh, he is the ultimate oh, fucking Emily God. wife ever. Like that guy, that guy, fuck. Larry Elder is such a, yeah, I know I've known about him for years because my uh, my grandmother used to uh, when she was trying to get me to be a right winger when I was like 12 years old would like buy me Larry Elder books, which I would just never read. What? You know? Yeah, no, <laughs> she's a 
you know, like Bill O'Reilly writes books for kids where he tries to indoctrinate. Like I, I, I probably, if I went to my old house, could st- well, now they move now, but I probably could have still dug some out of storage, some like Bill O'Reilly books for kids, which are just, I'm sure, full oh of like right wing propaganda. Like I, I actually, if if I find one, I'll read through it on the air. I'm sure it's got some real funny tidbits in it. But um, yeah, no, they, these people are just you know, and and Ben Carson, like they all, they all try to gear their message for kids to get them young because they realize that they're not uh creating new converts let's let's put it that way um so i've been watching cable news the last couple of days here um purely to get you know get the, the sense of what the mainstream media was saying about uh ending this war and cnn ran a, a, a bit on this guy who's who's uh what, what was his name again larry El- larry elder yeah larry elder um and i knew there was a recall election going on with gavin newsom but i you know, I can't stand him either, right? And but yeah, I didn't know who was right against him, right? And they ran this little like expose on this guy. This guy is a fucking lunatic. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. just I I can't even remember all the things they said, but like anti-vaxer, anti-climate science. Like he's basically running for governor of California. I you know anti-mask, anti-vaccination platform to to completely reopen the state, uh, and turn it into Florida, basically. So it's like it, once again. Fucking, you get you found a right winger so shitty that I have to fucking root for the greased back hair neoliberal guy who right. loves Pat Riley, right? Ugh. Right. It's and again, this is just you know, and but again, typical. And I and you know, I mentioned this last time we talked about Newsom, but this is just typical liberal hubris, hubris, where they think like, well, you know what? At the end, I'm gonna we're gonna prevail, so I don't need to. Like he could just do the right thing and resign, and his lieutenant governor would take over as governor, and he would you know squelch all calls for a recall but he doesn't want to do that because he's got a fucking no. ego and he thinks Listen, that like oh no we'll be you're fine a batman villain you don't give up that easily okay right <laughs> this is andrew Cuomo all over again i mean it's literally exactly. and but and again you know it's crazy and dave anthony who lives in california tweeted out like text screenshots from texts that he got from like text bankers to you know stop the recall they're telling people not to select the second choice on the ballot so you're able to select on on the recall vote. Do you want do you want Gavin Newsom to be recalled? Yes or no. And if he is recalled, who would you vote for? The Democrats didn't come behind a unified candidate as a backup to say, oh, we'll write this person in because obviously this is a majority Democrat state. And if we find somebody to get behind, we could just, you know, make sure that even if Newsom does get recalled, um, they would get into that seat. The, the, the Newsom text bankers are telling people not to select a second candidate, therefore ensuring that fucking Larry Elder will become governor of the sixth largest economy in the world if Gavin Newsom is recalled. And by the way, the last poll they did was like 58 or 51-49 uh, don't of recall. Course. So it's of like course, because it's everything fucking in this country is in. 51-49 split because that's that's the way you get people to watch your fucking shitty cable news network right so i mean it's just it's just insane fucking malpractice on the part of the california democrats but what else would you expect from from democrats at this point they're gonna they're literally gonna hand the reins to you know the world's fucking sixth largest economy to a fucking lunatic calling up arnold schwarzenegger to get him to do a a commercial for (laughs) gavin newsom to to be like hey look remember how i became governor well guess what you don't want this other guy to to have that happen to him because (laughs) uh he's fucking batshit crazy right oh man yeah so i just you know again it just sucks but it's probably gonna happen because like what nothing good ever happens anymore (laughs) 
<laughs> so he's probably gonna lose and 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 fucking larry elder that that fucking <laughs> by the way larry elder's so bad that will smith rapped about him and called him an uncle tom in one of his raps and will smith's like one of the most clean like you know like low-key like non-confrontational rappers of all time <laughs> So Ugh. for him to call Larry Elder and Uncle Tom in his rap, you know Larry Elder and, and must be a say, real motherfucker. When we say clean rapper, we mean like he you didn't have to have like an, any edits of his, right. of his songs to get him played on the radio. Like he just like never had never had a parental advisor and a Will right. Smith. Record. Well, as as Eminem famously said, Will Smith don't need to cuss in his raps to sell records. Well, I do, so fuck right. him and fuck you too. Um, but yeah, so in any event, uh yeah, everything sucks. Uh, but it's good that we're getting out of afghanistan and we should celebrate that and not try to find defeat in this victory yeah um, i i mean we'll still apparently have the right to you know drop drone missiles in there anytime we feel like it but uh um, right oh and oh yeah you know i did want to mention that real quick before i get out of here because there was of course you know we had to do like you said one war crime on the way out for fun we drone bombed uh a family of 10 including a two-year-old a three-year-old a six-year-old a seven-year-old kill this entire family um later it was claimed that oh well the 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 fucking state department tried to say like oh well you know the the, it wasn't that uh we exploded their house with a drone their car with a drone uh the 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 car probably exploded because there was explosives in it and uh that's what caused the (laughs) explosion like it's just comical the fucking level of like (laughs) like you can't even just be like oops we fucked up sorry guys like and then they're like, "Oh well, we're investigating whether or not the the father of the family was a ter- was connected to ISIS, ISIS K, the new the new you know <laughs> new coke of ISIS, ISIS K that we're, no, we're, we're they, working on." I, I read that he actually was had worked with the U.S. military in the past, right? Well, like, and that we, this he is a has. family man, <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. And, but but they're trying to say like, "Oh well, we think you may have been working with ISIS. like it's just it, it's just unreal. Like you fucking droned oh. the wrong guy." And and you're just going to you're not even going to admit it and like try to, you know, make amends and make reparations. You're just going to try to fucking smear his his name now. It's just it's fucking disgusting. They kill they kill the two year old. They kill the fucking two year old, seven year old, a nine year old, a four year. It's fucking Wiley Coyote shit, you know, and they, they said, oh, well, it was all the munitions the terrorists had stored up. And you look at like the walls, of the buildings around that little uh, driveway. There was no, there was no damage to the, in the surrounding buildings the where they would be if there was a bunch of bombs inside the buildings that had been set off somehow. Right. Um, no, it was and this guy was, this guy was driving a compact car. He wasn't driving a fucking truck full of shit. No, it was, it was a fucking. They fired a missile into a, a dense residential neighborhood and killed ten more people on our way out the door. Right. And you know the silver lining is that hopefully this this is not going to happen anymore because we're fucking out of this country. You know, and I'm sure we'll still conduct bombing raids in a bunch of other countries so they can get so all the fucking bloodthirsty maniacs can get their fix. But um, the good thing about us getting out of Afghanistan, despite everyone's fucking hemming and hawing and do it the right way, is that we won't be killing any more fucking civilians in Afghanistan. And, you know, outside of wh- whichever ones we decide to drone on a whim, um, you know, it, it just the, the, the amount of casual civilian death in Afghanistan over the last 20 years is just unfathomable and anything that's going to reduce that significantly. Let me tell you about a rock. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, yeah. just, it's, it's horrifying, but I just, hopefully this is, this it's coming to an end at least in, 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 in large scale. Um, yeah. And they, I think that pretty much does it for us. Um, 
Uh, but if you want to, if you want to support the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash move left, uh, Facebook.com slash move left idiots, patreon.com slash move left. Uh, I'll have some more merch up soon with our new logo. Um, and I am on Twitter at move underscore left. And as always, I'm on Twitter at bike slutty. Yeah, we'll see you next week. <laughs>